In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and today we're connecting with a dear friend of mine, Tim Kroll. Now, when Tim started his construction flooring installation company, he found the one thing he loved more than anything was the sales part of the business. That's the kind of guy I want to talk to. His <laughs> ability to accomplish or complete something and watching the expression on the owner's face when they loved what was completed was a big win. And he has mastered the art of the sale. His first company went from 100000 a year to well over $15 million a year in just a few short years. And his company went from 10000 per month in gross revenue to $7 million a month with spikes of 10 to $15 million over the holiday season. <laughs> what kind of business is this? <laughs> Tim holds degrees in youth ministry and Bible studies. His goal is to help an individual with the desire to change, grow in their life's journey, and connect with those that will help move them along in that journey. Please welcome to the show, Tim Kroll. Woo! <laughs> That's a lot of stuff we just covered, so I hope we're going to get through that and so much more. How are you, my friend? It's pretty weird hearing the story of your life being read back over to you, and uh, it's just uh, it's kind of put you in a weird position. <laughs> Well, we're, we're going to find that out, but let's get the first question out the gate. Uh, what is your definition of success? <laughs> you know, when you contemplate and look at life, there's a lot of things that we could call success. There's a lot of things that we could point towards and say, look, I've got these results. Quite frankly, everything that you just read, to me, I don't even feel like that has anything to do with success. Those just happen to be some results. To me, success is the ability to turn around and say, I've created or I have given people the ability to grow. And the way that really affects me more than anything else is in my family life. And I think that's truly where it starts is if I can look back and say, you know, my kids are following in the legacy and the footsteps, that's where I feel like true success lies. Let's add in what you just said at the end, legacy. You said the, the ability, right, to turn around and help people to grow. But if you look at your bio that I read a little bit, you hold a degree in youth ministry and Bible studies. Do you think some of that comes from there for you? I do. I absolutely do. Because <laughs> over the last, and I would say the last couple of months, I've had to really truly reevaluate what it is that I've been called to do and what I've looked at. Because, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of results in business, but I don't feel successful. I don't see that as success. And yeah, there's just lots of results. But when I look back and I say, okay, what were the things that I felt that was successful? It was the times when I was able to speak into, well, I'm, I'm a certified coach for Kid Lead. And so I was able to actually speak into some kids' lives where I watched them embrace their leadership skills, or I watched them be able to completely change the way they interact with other students. Where, and especially in the Kid Lead area, a lot of these kids tend to be the little, the rebels. They kind of get pushed to the sides. They're exhibiting their leadership skills. And when you can kind of start to show them how they can use it for good and be able to influence others for a benefit, 
that's I'm getting off track probably, but that's the success that I see. So absolutely the ability to be able to speak into somebody else's life or the honor, the privilege to kind of train and move that way is, is truly an incredible feeling. Well, let's think about what you just talked about. And, and then now what you know today with coaching and teaching and, and impacting people's lives, but the same piece or the same thread is woven through all of that. Yeah. What was your upbringing like? <laughs> That's a deep question, Tony. <laughs> well, let's go. Uh, so originally, uh, I was a latchkey kid. I started taking care of my brother and my sister when I was approximately in fifth grade. I don't know the ages accordingly, but um, I started walking them to school, walking them back home, making sure that everything was done, chores done, so on and so on. Um, so starting there in uh, that elementary time, I was given the responsibility, and I, it's, I sometimes slip up and call on my kids, but I was given the responsibility to, to basically start teaching my brother and my sister. Um, there's a lot of things that were going on Saturdays, whatever. My parents spent a lot of time and they loved us, but they just worked a lot and they weren't home. So that left a lot of responsibility on me to basically raise my brother and my sister. And they were both younger than I was. It also gave me the responsibility at that point in time um, as you know, we were looking at things is make sure that the house was organized, make sure that things were cleaned up, make sure the chores were done. There was a problem. I had to solve it. It really wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have anybody to call. I, if there was something there, it was up to me to get it done. Well, there's nothing better in the world, I believe. First, try, 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 right? And if you get to a certain point where you're like, I just don't know. And you're like, well, there's nobody here to help me. So exactly. I'm going to figure it out. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so what are some of the skills that you believed you've learned growing up that helped you to become a person who really loves sales, but also really helping people to win. What do you think some things that either a, you had to learn as a child because your parents were gone working all the time. That's very similar to my story. And then what are some skills that you think you acquired along that path? Uh, can I say that my greatest strength is also my greatest weakness in this? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, because I know for fact, this is my greatest weakness. And I also know that it's my greatest strength. I am most comfortable in chaos. Hmm. Put me in a chaotic situation and I can instantly perform. I can instantly assess all that needs to happen and put a plan in place and immediately I'm like ready to go. That's a great strength. The problem is it's also my biggest weakness in the fact that I tend to gravitate toward chaotic situations. Gotcha. And as I gravitate towards those, because that's what I'm comfortable with, that was pretty much my entire upbringing. And as I gravitate towards those, what happens is it drains my energy. I mean, it drains me as an individual because I'm constantly giving, I'm constantly adapting, I'm constantly trying to figure out what the next thing is. And so while it's a great strength, it also becomes my greatest weakness because I don't give myself enough time to reflect, to recharge, to be able to get that energy back so that I can perform. And then what I mean by perform is I can actually give some of my energy away to be able to help people. And so there's this balance that's going on in my life. And it's, I'll, I'll call it a battle because it truly is, is the fact that on one hand, I love these chaotic situations where I can go make a difference, impact somebody's life, but yet it takes energy. And so how do I get that back? And that's the battle of making sure that I'm not always in that fray, in that battle of a constant chaotic situation. And then I'm coming back into it as a way of um, reflecting and basically giving back energy into my soul. One question that comes up just really quick, just to, we dumped deep, but that was good because I think it helped us to get our startup success mountain today. 
you know, your upbringing, as I like to say, kind of shapes who we become because it's all the stuff that we either learned we wanted to do or stuff that we wanted to avoid. Yeah. If you had to go back and grade your childhood on a scale of one to 10, where would you grade it? I hate doing this <laughs> because if it wasn't for my childhood, I would not be the person that I am today. And so to look back and say, yes, there was things that I didn't like that happened, but yet it taught me. It gave me all of the skills that I have today because of what that was. So, so the good, the bad, and the ugly brought Tim to where he's at today. <laughs> exactly. And if I say that I'm not thankful for that, that means I'm not the person that I am. So I, I'm very thankful for all of, all of that happened. Now, did I thoroughly enjoy every blissful moment? No, absolutely not. But at the same time, going through all of that gave me the ability to become who I am today to be able to help others. Do you remember a, a pivotal moment in your childhood that really showed you like, crap, if it's got to be, it's up to me? Do you do. remember your pivotal moment? I do, absolutely. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get too emotional, but I'll try, see what we can do here. But um, the pivotal moment was when my dad had back surgery. I recall very clearly, and I can still see him, we were, we were in a, a house, uh, and he was laying on the couch, and he physically could not move. Um, mm. Couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. He had to crawl from the couch over to his bed and then back. That was his days. That, those were his days until he had back surgery. Now, today we have a lot of technology that have advanced, and they have uh, the hernia operations where they can be in and out in a day, but that wasn't the case back then. And that was a, a trigger moment, a pivotal moment that you're talking about because I looked at that and I thought, all right, my dad can no longer take care of us. And I meant us as far as a family, that means that it's my responsibility. Now, nobody told me that. Nobody ever said that. It was just assumed. And I, I embraced that role, took on that role. And I remember, like I said, very, very clear that it was now the whole, if it was going to be, it was up to me. And I, I, I know that that was my pivotal moment. All right. So you look back, dad, back surgery, Tim steps up, things happen. Right. And the stories also we tell ourselves, right. You were like, Hey, I'm probably gonna get emotional because it was an emotional time. But going through that, was that high school, junior high? When was that? I don't remember that. I'm really bad with dates and I don't recall the exact dates, but it was, I believe elementary at some point in time in there. All right. So pretty, uh, pretty powerful moment in your upbringing gets you kind of to this mindset, maybe you had to figure out stuff on your own. So a lot of what you've learned, maybe you saw, but you had to figure out. Fast forward to your life today, you live out in what, Gaylord, Michigan? Yep. And you live on some acreage. Mm -hmm. And every time I ever jump on the phone with you, if it's summer or the winter, you're like, I'm tending the chickens. I'm taking care of Martha. I'm doing something <laughs> over here with Griddle or, you know, uh, talk a little bit about what you've got going on with, you know, your farm. Uh, well, it's just a way of life, really, <laughs> where we just love being out um, as part of the adventure. Um, that's just, that's just us. So as far as like the farm things, I mean, really what we do is we kind of, it, this is, it's a weird transition to talk about this after talking about that, after what we just talked about. But um, what we do is we, we try to live a lot of the farm to table type thing. You know, I, we do hunt. So a lot of our meat comes from, the deer that we hunt, uh, we have chickens that we raise. That's a lot of our meat there. We have uh, layered chicken lay, um, chickens that lay eggs, so we have layered chickens, <laughs> and uh, we get a lot of our eggs from that. And then we try to eat real healthy. Uh, we try to make sure that it's not modified in any way, and so that's a, a large part. Now, 
a big reason why we did that was because my wife was dealing with some health issues. And so we made the, the mindful transition to start looking at what it is that we were consuming. So it was a lot of health related type issues that ha started happening to my wife that caused us to start down this path of what we do and how we act and where we are. As far as the land, the land was truly a blessing from God. Uh, it was almost, I want to say gifted, but we didn't pay near what it was worth. And so we've been truly blessed in this to be able to have something that I feel is a total gift from God. You mentioned, you're like, this is so weird of a transition. I said, yeah, maybe in your eyes, but in mine, the, the person, you know, kind of as the narrator to your story a little bit, how they actually are intertwined, right? So you, you this upbringing, this child, this, this man has to form quickly into life. He kind of has to understand that he's figuring out most of the stuff. You get gifted land, you, you get there, you have a difficult situation. Once again, you, you figure it out. Yeah, you had doctors and other people that chime in, but you know, ultimately you got to figure it out. Mm. When you were growing up, were there farm animals around you? No. So where'd you learn how to farm? I just learned it. It's we just, part of who you are, right? Is the, is that, that's, that's that person, right? So you, you mastered the art of the sale, but you also realize that to master something, you have to do it over and over and over and over because it, it equals a result. And the results that you're getting now are so drastically different than maybe what you were experiencing as a child because you weren't getting paid for it in the same, same way right. as you are today, right? right. Yep. As we go up Success Mountain, you hold a degree in youth ministry and Bible studies. Is, is that where you kind of your college, you took you off in that direction? Yeah. So to go a little bit deeper in that, at the heart and my heart, I'm a people pleaser. And I tend to do things above and beyond what I probably should do because I want to please people. I want to be able to, to say like, Oh yeah, that person's happy with me. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure from the outside, my parents, society, where we were going to church at the time, the thing to do was to go to a Bible college, become a pastor. That was what the pressure was. Um, and so because of my, my heart that I really want to care for people, that also means I want to do what people ask of me, regardless of whether it's what I want to do or not want to do. And so that whole Bible part of it, I'm thankful that I have it. But the whole reason why I did that was because I felt that that's what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't until much later on that I realized I, I have a choice. I have a voice that I can say, nope, this is not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down this path because um, God's gifted me in a different way and that not everybody has to actually be a youth pastor or a head pastor or whatever. So what's something that like your time in ministry and working with kids and, and really kind of like going in and doing Bible study has kind of your spirituality taught you about where you're at right now in your life? The biggest lesson that I've learned, which is also one of the ones that I struggle with the most is the fact that we are not alone. I think that's probably the greatest lie that's being fed in our society right now is every time an individual goes through a challenge, whether it's in business or in their life or any kind of uh, an abusive situation, they believe that they are the only ones that are going through it. And nothing could be further from the truth. And I know in my own life, when I've hit, I'll call it the bottom, or if when, I've think, when I've lost stuff, when bankrupt, whatever you want to call it, all this stuff that's happening, that intense loneliness is, it's almost like a huge drum just beating in your head. You are the only one. And unless you're willing to break out of that mold, it will drown you. And it will just cause you to continue on that downward path. Have you struggled with that um, personally? Like, 
being, being the guy who has to make sales happen, as I like to say, right? Yep. That's, and that's the intensity, the intensity of feeling like you're the only, like everything rides on your shoulders. And that's the, that's the other lie that we're, that we're told is that we can control all of our results. We can control our entire, all of the results that happen in the sale process. I, I, for a long time, I believed that I was in control of that, which is totally a far-fetched idea because we don't control other people. They have their own ideas, thoughts, and everything else. We can but, sure try though. Yeah, we sure can. And we can continue to get frustrated. <laughs> right. So as this guy who's gone through some training and, you know, we want to talk about the real stories behind success, right? So, you know, Tim being this transparent guy has mentioned even bankruptcy, mentioned, you know, issues with his wife, mentioned all of these things. Doesn't have to necessarily be all Tim, but he's being transparent enough to help anybody listening right now. If you got what he just said, it's the biggest thing that was possible, which is like, you're not alone and you can ask for help. And through there, there's been a lot of great resources that are created online to help you find that help. Let's talk about sales because I'm fascinated by it. I love numbers. I love crunching numbers. I love seeing my salary and my paycheck and all those things get adjusted when I go out and do uh, what I was gifted to do, which is I really believe just build connection and, and communicate with people at a higher level, specifically when there's, a, there's something that they need and I've got a solution for their problem. Right. Um, where did sales come into play for you? Do you remember what was like one of your earlier jobs? <laughs> My very first job, I, <laughs> I sold grape vine wreaths door to door at about 10 or 11 years old. And I would just go knock on people's doors and say, hey, you want to buy my reef? <laughs> and that was like a holiday time? Yeah, we did it. Well, actually, we, we targeted it every holiday. So we would make ones for Christmas. We'd make ones for March or for April, spring kind of stuff. Easter. I mean, we did stuff like I we created them. I would go back out, drag the vines out of the trees, put them into a reef and stick some birds and flowers and crap on it and went door to door and sold them. That's, that was my very first sales job. Did you really enjoy the, the door slamming in front of your face and go, oh, that kid again is back? You know what's funny is I don't remember any of that. I really don't. I, the only thing I remember is making sales. I think it was great because people would invite, oh, these are so awesome. You know, like I only remember that. Guarantee you, I got hundreds of doors slammed in my face. I, yeah, you, so you were, you were trading time for money and you were, you were finding natural resources and then some odds and ends to put these things together. Did you do it with people or by yourself? I did it with my sister at that point. And then from there, I started, <laughs> I mean, Gary Vee's kind of made the uh, baseball card thing a, a pretty big deal. But um, that, was, that was my other job after doing the Reese. I, I collected baseball cards, went to shows and traded and sold and built and what, everything else I did with that. So that was the second business. Yeah, well, just- you know, all of this stuff kind of gets us to this, this climatic point, right? Which is you had to go through all the stuff you did, the upbringing, life, all the situations, uncertainty, childhood, didn't own a farm, didn't, you know, have farm animals to raise, had an idea for a business when it did it, got some no's, got some yeses, transition, transition, then it starts uh, a construction and flooring installation company. So you take everything that, you know, throughout your life as you're growing and going and going. How did that take off for you? Uh, so again, really good at sales, knew the relationship part of it. I had no idea on how to manage people or how to manage a business. So the first business that I had with construction, you know, flooring, that whole, that one component right there, I was really good at being able to sell people, build those relationships. But then when it came to the management of the actual 
like a CFO type thing, finances, managing the employees, making sure that, you know, I wasn't giving too much to them or counting the cost of everything else. That's where I screwed up on the first business. And um, that led to us losing two different houses, you know, cars getting repossessed, stuff like that. But it was all based on mismanagement of the, I call it the fundamentals of business. And that taught me a whole lot more. So then obviously you keep moving through. And then from there, I ended up stepping into a construction sales position where I was like, okay, I'm just going to get a job. This is going to go back to what the society tells me I need to do. Get this job. I'm going to do sales. And I ended up being the top sales guy because that's what I was really, really good at. Well, you know, Tim, I just want to say thanks for, for sharing some of your insights and knowing what you're really good at and sticking with what you're really, really good at. We're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, as we kind of climb our way down success mountain today, Tim's going to become your Sherpa. And we're going to start talking about first company went from 100,000 a year to well over 15 million in a few short years. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about how he's seen uh, $7 million a month with spikes of 10 to 15 million over the holiday season. And what was he doing and how did he do it and what's available for you today and so much more. So stick around, strap in, grab a notebook, get a pen. Let's do some work on our way down today. Take some notes, take what Tim is talking about and seeing how you can't flip the script on some of the things that you say, Oh, I'm not good at sales. I'm like BS. Everyone is selling you something and you're yep. one of the best salespeople you'll ever meet. We just have to reframe it and, and shift some of the language we use around it because there is something to be said about somebody that can help take a company from, you know, $100,000 and get it into the millions. There's something that every person listening today can use to get to that next level in their business. And he also said, you're not alone. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show with today's special guest, Tim Kroll. I'm Tony Grubmeyer. Are you ready to break the mold? You know, so many people seem stuck in society, but you're not one of them. If you were, you wouldn't be listening to this. And I know for a fact that right here, right now, inside you, there's greatness. And a great way to help bring that out is the 12-week journey to fulfillment. So head over to BeFulfilledJournal.com and use the coupon code PODCAST and you get a special rate on us. It's our way to say thanks for listening. As well, there's access to a private community of entrepreneurs ready to support you and your business. That's BeFulfilledJournal.com. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Tony and Tim. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. What a great episode so far. I'm, I hope you are getting as much out of it as I am. It's always fun, even when you interview your dear friends, how you learn so much more just by asking questions. And you know, what's just so crazy is that these questions are available to you today. You can make up your own questions and just talk to a friend in a little deeper mindset and understand maybe where they came from, why they do what they do, why they love what they love. And you know, you can start finding this kind of synergy between all of your friends. There's a common thread. And I just want to say thank you for being transparent, open and honest, but really just taking us through some of the ups and downs of life. When I launched this show, I didn't want to talk about money. I wanted to talk about the stories behind success. Mm. But then when I get somebody across my table that talks about 100,000 to 15 million in a few short years, I'm like, all right, so you don't want to talk about money? I'm like, no, we're going to talk about how do we do it? That's what I want to talk about today. So how did you, what kind of company was it? So uh, 100,000 a year. Yeah, that was um, the t-shirt. Sunfrog was the name of the company. 
we took that and uh, we were selling shirts online. It was pretty much at the boom when Teespring started. It was Teespring and us. They were, they were like literally the only two companies that were selling t-shirts online. And that just started this whole big, whew, man, it was almost like a avalanche of people that were selling stuff online and in, enter the e-commerce space via social media. That is uh, crazy to think back. What, what year was that roughly? Six years. So 12, 13-ish? Yep. This, I think it was 12. And I, I could be wrong on the exact time, but it was the, the exact moment that Facebook made the decision to go from all organic reach to paid traffic. That was the year that we did this whole entire t-shirt business. Wow. Because, you know, there's probably got to be a thousand or so t-shirt companies, at least somebody today, I was, I was oh. doing some work over the weekend and you know, this company and Shopify and that company and Shopify, yep. you want to print your own t-shirts or have your own designs. I mean, there's so many people. So to be at the, like the forefront of it, to have like Teespring and then you uh, and Sunfrog, like right there, like what was it like going to the office every day? <laughs> it was kind of like the wild west. <laughs> Just to be totally honest in that aspect, because we didn't have a, freaking clue what we were doing. I mean, literally sounds like your life. Yeah, (laughs) it really does. (laughs) Because it was a brand new industry. It was a whole brand new, like when we talk about the whole blue ocean kind of a thing, that's what this was. Everybody before had always been doing something in a different way. Now the, the really cool thing is Teespring, we were different enough that there was enough, well, there was huge, huge ocean there, but we were different enough from Teespring that made both models work. And the primary difference, and this is kind of going back in history for those that have been t-shirt sellers, (laughs) probably reminisce a little bit, but the Teespring was all based off of a campaign. Hmm. We, We set out a plan and a structure, a business model, and called it Evergreen or a catalog model, which means that the shirt, the design would stay up indefinitely or until the artist decided to take it down. Teespring was just like a, hey, we're going to run this shirt for two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. Once it's over, it's done. It's sold. Now yeah, Supreme, the brand Supreme did something or still does something similar. They'll do blast. They'll do, hey, this is available one time, one time only. And then it kind of dries up from there. And that creates a little bit of a craze. Right. And that's the campaign model. So you have that and it still works. So there's still people that actually do that. Uh, but there's also this other, the other model that we put together, which was like a storefront which I believe was the, or is the predecessor to a lot of what you see in the Shopify stores right now. Well, the legacy that you left in the t-shirt industry, because I know you're not doing t-shirts, so to speak, the same as you used to, you do some consulting and this and that, but what what do you think was something that you you specifically took from the t-shirt industry that you've been able to take kind of moving in your consulting and coaching business and everything else that you've got? What are some skills that you learned? Oh boy, I'll tell you the one, the biggest skill is really, I, look, there's two, there, there's definitely two. Number one is the, the power of your network. Some people call it affiliate marketing, but really it's the relationships that you build. All it is, is one person selling somebody else's stuff. That's either, an, you can call it affiliate marketing, you call it networking, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's somebody buying into your dream and you have enough influence with that person to be able to have them come right alongside and help push that ball down the court. That was one. The second one is truly the, of the power of our technology age. And the difference between where we were at, you know, not that long ago with the industrial age, we have now entered into a phase of this technology age that is such a little baby. 
I mean, it's so, so young and we have no idea where this is truly going to end up, but it's, it's, to me, that's the exciting part. We're at on the brink of some really incredible stuff. I'm just taking a lot of notes because I keep questions, keep popping up. Let me give you this one illustration. You're talking about technology, right? What's becoming easier today for you with technology? Man, there's tons of stuff. The communication, the ability to be able to have a very large network as opposed to, I mean, just look at it this way. In Gaylord, Michigan, we only have a limited number of people. If I were to try to reach you, Tony, I can't do that just by walking down the street to the coffee house because we're not in the same location. Right. But yet you and I can have a relationship because of technology and we can get to know each other. We can do this <laughs> right thing right here with a podcast. We can do that. Other people can now hear us. They can hear about our stories. They can learn. People can develop even if they are in a small town like Gaylord or a small town that is in the Midwest or wherever it ends up being. Right now, that has opened up a massive amount of opportunity. Look at Shopify, for example. Literally anybody that has any type of interest in starting a side business or starting any type of a a business and become an owner, they have the opportunity now. Before, it wasn't that way. You had to go and find and pull, literally pull grapevines out of the trees so that you could twist them into a grape wreath and then try to go sell them door to door wherever you were at. Now, what happened if you didn't have a neighborhood? Well, you couldn't sell stuff. Now we can sell anything to anyone all over the world if we wanted to. What's the transition been like getting out of the craziness of a 10 to $15 million spike around the holiday to having just normalcy, which is, wow, that's a lot of pressure. I don't have any more on my shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) The number one thing is the results. And I, I said this earlier, when you go down this path, and you allow yourself to believe that you are 100% in control of all the results, which is, again, it's a total fallacy, your identity gets tied up inside of that. And as the identity gets tied up on that, if something starts to slightly go wrong, the amount of stress that you start working into and the, the, the pressure that is on your shoulders, it literally will crush you. And so when you look at that, the, the transition that I've made coming out of that has been, a lot of it has been for my health reasons, because I had to break the idea that I could completely control all the results. I had to totally shift my mindset away from that. Now, results are like a tab, you know, like you keep score in a, in a game and it's good to have results and you have to have them. But at the end of the day, if all you are trying to do is control those results, you're going to literally kill yourself. The stress will, will literally kill you. Yeah. I think, you know, Tim, you're talking about some of the things that are, are difficult for even this guy, right? Is, you know, business partners and other people say, if it's gotta be, it's up to me. Yeah. Right? Like there's this, there's this thing in the society that says, you know, you're not good enough unless you can figure it out. So what do you do? You spend more of your time figuring it out. And then you realize like, I didn't have to do that. The yep. struggle isn't always worth the pay. Yeah. No, right. True. Your, uh, results. I wrote freedom, pressure. I put noise. And so, you know, our job is to eliminate the noise and the pressure that ultimately gets us freedom, which equals the results that we're after. Right. So it's just, these are the little notes that I was taking. What would be some things you could share, um, now that you've got into the next chapter, the next season of your life going from running sales, consulting at, you know, the t-shirt level to now, you, you've come upon a, just a wonderful organization. I'd love you to do a little bit of that explanation too, but then also just your consulting and coaching on your own. 
(laughs) I feel like I've got four or five hours worth of stuff that I've learned that I want to share. But at the same time, I also know if I have to dial it down and say, okay, what is the key element that we've learned and be able to transition? I I would say it's this. And again, I struggle with this on a daily basis, so I I don't have it completely figured out, but it, it, it truly is. Number one, you need to set a plan in place. Without a plan, all you have is a bunch of hopes and a bunch of dreams that may never come to pass. Number two, is you do have to hustle. You do have to work your butt off. There's something to be said about sowing that seed to be able to reap that reward and to see what's going to be for harvest. So you have to, number one, plan. Number two is you got to work super hard. But number three is you have to be able to rest. And when you rest, that means that you're not trying or attempting to control the results because where you control results is in the day-to-day hustle. And so when you have those three things in order, now when you rest, you can reflect, you can gain the energy to go back into the hustle. So I don't know if that answers your question directly. No, it, it does. It does. And this morning I was reflecting on some stuff on my phone and I wrote, your efforts, not your passion will lead you further towards your goal. What do you think about that? I, I think it's perfect because you have to plan that goal. You've got to set that out there. There's no doubt about that. But then you have to act daily because it's those daily actions. It's that daily hustle that those are the only things that you can truly control. You can control when you get up. You can control how many phone calls you make. You can control how many people you contact. Now, can I control that they've, that they turn into a sale or that they turn into a lead? Not always. Now I can create my market influence for sure. Exactly. You can definitely influence it. But at the end of the day, I cannot say, oh, this guy, Tony Grubmeyer, he is going to buy my stuff. I can't control what exactly what are you selling. I don't know yet. <laughs> what do you want to buy? <laughs> and then the second part I wrote is to spend more time doing what you want and less time doing what others want you to do. I would say spend more time doing what you're called to do. Operating in that area of skill, of talent, of personality, as opposed to attempting to become something somebody else thinks you should be. Yeah. Labels, right? We all get labels placed on us from society. And some of the labels, the biggest ones I've ever had put on me, I put them on myself. Yep. That's the truth. What are some labels that you have had to break agreements with about you? That I have to take care of everybody. Okay. Because you talked about that in the very beginning of the show. I had to really, truly break that part of it. How how, how How did you get to that conclusion? Through mentors. It's um, important, you know, not everybody uh, will own where they're at in their journey. They, it's fine. I mean, it, I couldn't it, see it. It I took me really a long time. My blind spots were really big until yeah. someone sat me down and said, hey, let's do the work. So how do people find more about kind of consulting and working with you? Oh, that, that's a great, great question. I, I have my website out there, but I do almost all of my stuff on LinkedIn or in Facebook. Um, so okay. if you contact me through Facebook or LinkedIn, I definitely will get back to you. And then I always give out free 15 minutes to everybody that asks. Now, I only have a certain amount of those, so sometimes they get filled up quickly, but I have a Calendly link where I'll give free 15 minutes out to anybody that asks. I like that. Thank you very much. That's, an, that's a very generous of you. And what I want to do is I want to move us into the fulfillment round, and we'll learn a little bit more about you. These are, you know, phone a friend, not questions. These are questions that you just need to make up if you don't know the answers. I, I just <laughs> ask you to play along. And at the end, it's just for us to have some fun, get to know you. All I need to hear is I am ready. I'm ready. (laughs) And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. 
No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicus. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right. If you were to wake up in the morning and walk out into your kitchen knowing that someone made you the meal, right? I'm not saying that you do this on a daily basis. Would you prefer steak and eggs or pancakes and bacon? Oh, man, can I take pancakes and steak? <laughs> I like it. All right, perfect. Uh, if we were going down the road in your truck, would we be listening to some classic rock and roll or country music? Country. Uh, favorite country artist you grew up with? I didn't grow up with any country artist, but um, man, I'm terrible with names and I'm terrible with, uh, I can't even remember the names of the country music guys. Sorry. Okay. If you play a country song, what happens? Backwards. You go, and then you get your wife back, your dog back, your truck back. Everything comes back. Would we find you on a Mac or a PC? PC. Would we find you on an Android or an iPhone? A Google? Is that Android? You have a Google Pixel? I'm going to. I have an iPhone now. And I'm uh, tired you're, of it, totally, so. you're totally going to be done with the, the whole Mac. I'm, I'm pretty well almost all done with Apple. Jeez. Man, my friendship just dried up. Um, <laughs> travel, uh, travel plans, things that you love to do with your family. Anything that has to do outside and is an adventure. I like that, right? Like the legacy you're leaving ties us back into the very, very beginning, right? The ability to turn around and help people grow. So your childhood was what your childhood was and the legacy you're living today, living. And I tell people all the time, you can live your legacy now. You don't have to wait for someday. Today's a great day to start that everybody's watching. My neighbor, Todd McGuire tells me all the time, you know, everybody's a teacher. They're teaching you something good or something bad. Yep. So you're leaving this amazing legacy because, you know, nine times out of 10, when I call you, you're playing, your kids will come in, you're laughing, you're having a good time. I'll call you back. We're shooting paintball or you know, we're <laughs> fishing, soft, yeah. doing something. Right. And, yep. and anybody who knows Tim hashtag share a sunset or a sunrise. Tim's got some of the most beautiful you'll ever find uh, online. So if you ever look up uh, hashtag share a sunset, you'll see him. Uh, you find him, you know, next to the water, little fire pit, him and his wife hang out, just great stuff. And the reason why I kind of wanted to dive around some areas today is there's a lot of depth in your, your existence. And a lot of times, if we just go at it, we're always going to just give you the, the, the easy answer. And I, I wanted to fish today. I wanted to go fishing. I wanted to see what we could create together. If you had to look back on your life, there's a time you were born and a time that you'll die. We all have the exact same thing. Uh, what do you think that middle's going to read? That, that middle area, that dash on your tombstone or your obituary. What do you think that would read? I would pray that it would read that, that I was a good husband, that I was a good father, and that I had the ability to impact as many people's lives for the good as I could. Well, if I'm hold up a mirror, I want you to see those are all the things that I believe you are, right? So I love that about you. I love your humbleness, your, your kindness. So favorite quote uh, you grew up with or use now in your life? You ready? Yeah. Jim Rohn, the challenge of leadership is to be strong, not rude. To be kind, but not weak. Be bold, but not a bully. Be thoughtful, but not lazy. Be humble, but not timid. Be proud, but not arrogant. To have humor, but without folly. I like it. What's something that you uh, want to tell your wife? 
She's listening today. You like to do this where you drop things on people and it's like they weren't ready for it. <laughs> hey, man, I don't want you planning. It takes me a minute to grab my emotions and kind of get them under control so that way I'm okay. <laughs> so I can actually talk right, right? <clears throat> um, there's a lot of times that we look at um, our wives and we call them our help meet or we call them our helper. And oftentimes people look at that and they think it's degrading. But to me, I feel like that is the greatest honor that I could bestow on her. Because if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her helping me through a lot of the situations, listening, supporting, just always being there, basically picking up the things that I was weak at. I mean, like she truly balances out everything that I am not. And when I say helper, I mean like she truly has helped me in ways that I can't even express via words because um, she has always been there. So, I mean, that's, I totally appreciate that about her. What a blessing. We don't have to get to heaven to uh, have our angel by our side. Ain't that the truth? We're going to put everything today available at TonyGrubmeyer.com. Just search Tim Kroll. You'll find it in the show notes, details on how to book your 15-minute free call uh, while supplies last, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. why there's enough time for all of these great things. So definitely take advantage of that. Tim is a Rolodex, a wealth of knowledge. He's got a lot of just genius and wisdom. Plus, he's consulting. He's doing work for a lot of different organizations. He volunteers his time. He's, he's a giver. And a little bit maybe removed from the people pleaser, but the idea is still the same, to serve. And I think that comes from your youth ministry work, your Bible study, serving and helping others because, right, you wrote with a desire to change, grow, and their life's journey and connect with those that will help move them along in that journey is something that you're up to. So just want people to take that in a big deep breath from the quote from Jim Rohn to where we're at right now. Thank you for your time today, your, your commitment to uh, improving the lives of people all around you and ultimately being that man who is an incredible husband, a great father, a good coach, one of those people who is living his best legacy now, not for someday, but today. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Tony. All right, that is Tim Kroll. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.